We are continuing in our series of messages, talking with you about the power of prayer, power of prayer in our lives. I don't want to just open up, I've been opening up with that scripture from James. We're going to open up this morning with the scripture from Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. So if you have your Bible with you or an electronic device and you want to look at it on your own, I recommend that you get your own Bible, become familiar with the Word of God, where it is. We do have it. We will have it up here on the screen for you. But sometimes we can get lazy. <laughs> Just depend on the screen and not really know where, the, where these things are in our Bible. And so we're going to read Philippians 4, 6. It says this about prayer. Do not worry or have any anxiety about anything. Mm-hmm. But in every circumstance, by prayer and thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Yes. So he says, don't worry or have anxiety about anything. That's a big word, anything. But he's telling us to take our circumstance uh, to God in prayer and thanksgiving and make our requests known to him. And so let's just come before him now. We're going to pray before we begin. Father, we come to you in faith. Father, we just thank you for your love and your great mercy, just like what what was said during worship today, Mm. that you've forgiven us of our sins and you've welcomed us into your family to be children of God. And we thank you for the word of God that we have in front of us, Lord, that contains your wisdom and contains your power to help us to be overcomers in this life. Help us, Father, to honor you with our life, honor you in all of our ways. I pray, Father, you help us to be doers of your word, that we would not just be people who come and hear the word or just read the word, but your, your word tells us that it's the doers of the word who, who are the blessed people in life. And so, Father, help us to be those people who hear and obey and walk in your blessings. Yes. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, so one of our greatest privileges as a believer is that we can pray and just do just like what we did. Right there, even though we stood here in Butler, Pennsylvania, in the spirit, we were able to go right to the throne of God and receive mercy and grace in our time of need. Isn't that an awesome thought? I mean, you don't have to sound super spiritual, you know, change the tone of your voice. <laughs> oh, Father God, you know, I mean, depending on how you grew up, we come before thee, we beseech your holy name, and, you know, we bow before you, <laughs> we come to you in our time of need. That's right, sing it. Yeah, that's right, yeah, we're not Pentecostal, so we'll skip that. You don't have to raise your voice to God, it's like, you know, a little boy was praying, uh, before bedtime, he went to visit his grandma with his mother, and so they're there beside the bed, and the little boy starts to pray, oh God, I pray that you bless mommy, and you, you bless daddy, and you bless a grandma, and then he goes, oh God, and thank you for my new bicycle for my birthday. <laughs> and his mother's like, honey, you don't have to yell, like God's not deaf. He goes, I know, but grandma is. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Like you don't have to yell to have God hear you, like maybe your deaf grandma, but yeah, change your voice or do any such thing like that. We don't have to put on a front with God. Right. We just be ourselves. Yeah. Like we just come to God. He's looking for sincerity of heart. He's just looking for faith in our heart. Like, God, I'm coming before you. Mm-hmm. And in faith, we believe that we really are coming before the throne of grace and that he loves us. He's for yes. us. And as his children, he welcomes us to come and do that. And we have to remember that, you know, as believers, we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us to help us to pray. You have the Holy Spirit's help in prayer. This is really important. And thank God we have his help, you know, in prayer to teach us. He leads us. He guides us. He reveals Jesus to us. Mm -hmm. He told his disciples, you know, knowing that he was going to go to the cross, he was going to die and then ascend back into heaven to his heavenly father. He said, but I'm not going to leave you in the earth like an orphan. Hallelujah. You know, he said, I, I, what is an orphan? An orphan is just a child without a mother or father. Nobody to care for them, nobody to teach them, nobody to guide them, nobody to help them to grow up in the, in the things of life. 
But he said, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to dwell on the inside of you. And he's going to be your teacher and he's going to be yes. your guide. He's going to reveal himself to you because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. Yes. Now just pause and think about the awesomeness of that. The very Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit dwells on, if you're a believer, if you've given your life to Christ, he lives and dwells on the inside of you right now. Mm. And he's with you through every single thing you go through. That's he right. is your connection, Jesus is saying to me. You know, when Jesus ascended, the disciples thought, oh no, don't go away. But then think of it now. The Holy Spirit can be in so many more places all throughout the earth. And Jesus, one man walking you know, in his ministry for right. those three years. And so as we learn to pray and grow in our faith and prayer, and we do have to learn to pray. None of us just starts out knowing how to pray. You start to see the, the will of God in Scripture, and then God says, come and, come and talk to me about my will for your life. Yes. And so as we see his will in Scripture, we begin to talk to God. God, I want your will for my life. And then as you grow in the uh, knowledge of God, you start to understand what his will is in the basics of, of our life, like Pastor Steve was saying, to begin to surrender to trust him in all of our ways. And so as we learn to do these things, we, we acknowledge and depend on the help of the Holy Spirit yes. to remind us of these things and to help reveal Jesus to us and what he wants for our life. Because our life here on the earth, if you're a Christ follower, it's no longer about doing our will. Yeah. It's about doing his will. It's about doing his will because he's got something better than you do by far. And there's really no comparison. And there we go to the point where you have to surrender to his will to allow him to take you to the blessings that he has for us. You know, it's the truth is, remember Jesus said, you know, pray in the manner like this. Uh, our, our father in heaven who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He's really saying, you deserve all the glory. I mean, if really, if we surrender to God, we'd be giving him a lot of glory because the way he's taken us around trouble, through trouble, and bringing us to a, really, in a sense, an exalted state in our lives as children of the living God, because you and I have been raised up and made to sit together with Christ, you are royal. You're a royal priesthood. When we come to the realization of these things, we're going to be able to, all my life, you've been faithful. Uh, every breath I have, I'm going to tell you how good you are. It is true. And then we would be able to pray, Lord, I want to live my life as a reflection of who you are. We've heard it said before that you might be the only Bible somebody reads. And so we have to live it out. And if we follow his will, we're going to find the blessings that will overtake us as we do his will. Not our will anymore. Because right now, you know how we pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You and I right now are servants of that kingdom. Not when you see it. You're a servant of that kingdom right now. If you become a new creature in Christ, you are a servant of the Most High God. But then you're also exalted in a state of you're a child of the living God. You're exalted to the state where Jesus said, you're my brothers and my sisters. This is, it's like earth shattering. It's remarkable. This is the one who lives in us that the book of Revelation says that the earth and the sky fled away from his presence. He dwells inside of you. We come to that acknowledgement of that. We're not here to do our own will. We're here to do his will, to advance his kingdom. And, and you remember what Jesus said about his purpose? It's in John chapter 6, verse 38. Jesus says this. He says, I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And then we get to this kind of religious thinking and saying, yeah, that was Jesus. He was sent to do God's will. That's Jesus. 
But if you read your Bible, you've been made one with Jesus. So now Jesus is in heaven. Does that mean God's will is finished and complete and now put to the side because Jesus is in heaven? No, his will remains the same. His will is that none should perish, but all should come to repentance and the knowledge of the truth and accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That is his will. That is his will for our lives. We represent him now. Jesus, like Pastor Mamie said, is not here walking around telling everybody about the kingdom of God. He's given you and I that responsibility. And here's, here's a mind-blowing scripture. Let's take a look at this next one in John 17, verse 18. This is Jesus speaking here. And he's talking to you and I. He's, I, I mean, this is what you've got to underline this in your Bible because it's, it will rock you. And all the implications it produces says this. As you sent me into the world, I've also sent them into the world. How did God send Jesus into this world? Helpless? Without wisdom and understanding? Without strength and ability? It says, as the Father sent him into the world... Jesus sends us into the world. You've got to wrap your head around that. And you can't just read that and stop. You have to look at that and look at that and look at that and look at that. And you need to ask the teacher of the church, the Holy Spirit, reveal the truth as much as I can handle. Reveal this truth to me. Because your life will change. It will be all different. And Jesus said, the fields are wide under the harvest. Pray that the Lord of the harvest send more laborers into the harvest. Right. That's a prayer Jesus prayed for you. Right. I mean, you and I are the laborers. That's right. We are the laborers for Christ in the earth to do as well. You and I have been commissioned by Jesus to carry the message of the gospel, just like what we're doing this morning. Mm -hmm of salvation, the gospel of the kingdom, to a lost and dying world. And, you know, Jesus was sent by his father. He sends us. He goes, go yeah. in the power of my name. And I think of COVID now, this whole year and a half has just thrown the world upside down. There's so much um, insecurity and anxiety and fear just about life. You know, about your money situation, about people's health. And it is a great opportunity, really, for the church with all the fear and anxiety that's rolling around in people's lives to show them, yeah. tell them, share your testimony. Where do you find your hope? Where do you find your security? Where do you find your strength? What are you doing to stay, you know, sane at this time? <laughs> I mean, it's Jesus. It's like you have to find a way to share we say share the gospel. It doesn't mean, well, I'm just going to share these four points, you know, to salvation. But we share where we find our hope. Yeah. And we're real about it. We're not ashamed of it. And there's just so many ways that we can do this, so many opportunities in relationships, whether it's at school or on your job or kids' sports or just casual conversations maybe at the gym. Should God put these things together? Right. Share your testimony in a simple way. Like just egging people's houses is a simple way to share the hope of Christ. Like, what? You're not coming to church? Yeah. We all understand what egging houses means. Or on social media. I mean, social, everybody's on social media these mm -hmm. days. But our, our mission as a church, when we say helping people to know God, we want all people. Amen. We want all people to know God and discover and find his will and purpose for their life, which first of all, his will and purpose is to know him Amen. and to understand God's plan from the beginning that you were always, God was foreordained from the foundation of the earth. He set his love upon you to be his child, to be reconciled back to him. Mm. And that alone changes the whole uh, trajectory of your life. Yes. And so when we pray like our father in heaven, you know, it, uh, really, at the end of the age, think about it. If you if you if you've read the scripture, you're gonna 
you know, it gives you a glimpse of looking around the throne of God. And it's every type of person is there. Yeah. Every nation, every tongue, every ethnic background, every color of skin. This is our Father in heaven. Yeah. Our Father in heaven. And because of the blood of Christ, he's made one holy family. Yeah. And Jesus took down the dividing wall. Hello? Yes. Yes. There is no difference. They're blood-bought, we're blood-bought. And there was a song out years ago, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Yeah. It's his mercy. Same mercy he received, I received. Same grace he received, I received. You know, just think about it. You might be uh, in the throne room right there, and there might be some uh, little uh, guy that grew up in the jungles of South America right next to you, worshiping God. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. There is that same love that God loves Jesus with, He loves you with. And then the same love that He loves me with, He loves other people with. Nobody has a better place on the vine than you do. It's just, well, like we go at the beginning, how, how deep and how low do you want to go because when you go low, where does water collect mostly? The lowest part. And water at times is used as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. So how low do you want to go? <laughs> you know, and Easter's coming. Next week. Egging houses, but don't just stop at egging houses. Because that can be impersonal too. It's a personal touch. Where do you really find your hope? Oh man, I, I tell you what, I remember when I had no hope. But I met this man named Jesus. And I have this incredible hope. Easter, invite the people to come to Easter. 30%. This is what you said. Oh, he's not sure of the exact. <laughs> he's looking up. No, you don't have. The, the point is, I think Amanda Ogle said this in our meeting, that one of the biggest hits on the Internet is people wanting to know how to pray and people wanting to find hope. Biggest hits on the Internet, folks. So you might have somebody who looks tough on the outside, but are broken on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. And so the key is, don't go by the outward expression. This is why you need to yield your hearts to the Holy Spirit, because He's going to bring, like Pastor Mamie said, He's going to orchestrate people to come into your lives so you can invite them. Yeah. Never underestimate the power of an asking someone. Just a simple ask. Simple invitation. You never know. It could That's change a person's life. For eternity. <clears throat> and so we had been talking through the last several weeks about the, the Lord's Prayer and kind of unpacking that. And we, we went through those first three verses talking about the first three, the, or not three verses, but the first three themes in the Lord's Prayer have to do yeah. with honoring God and His glory. You know, our Father who, who is in heaven, holy is your name. We're praying his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the focus at first, the, the first half of the Lord's Prayer is really giving God his glory that yes. he deserves and looking to him. That put our perspective first on what he's doing and what he's done really for us. And then the second three themes uh, that we're going to get into are about the second half of this prayer, which is really about our personal needs. And so Matthew six eleven. Uh, says this, give us this day our daily bread. I think we're all familiar with that line, that verse. Give us this day, Lord, we're praying, give us this day our daily bread. 
You know, one of the simple things we can see through that is God is saying in the word daily, talk to me daily. Yeah. Talk to me daily. Not give us, you know, Lord, give us, you know, today a month full of bread. <laughs> and then I'll catch up with you after when my supplies yeah. getting low. <laughs> you know, when that runs I'll come down. back. No, like give us this day. He wants us to come to him daily for our needs. And really, um, you know, saying to trust Jesus for our daily provision for your life, like our daily bread, our daily needs. So what are those things? My food, clothing, mm-hmm. material things. And from the natural viewpoint, people consider their job as their source for all these things, right? Yeah. For your provision, because as you go to your job, then you make money, they pay you wages, you get a paycheck, and without money, you buy those things, your clothing, your food, your material things. But in God's perspective, your job and your paycheck are not your source, That's not the end of the story when we're in this kingdom. Remember, we are in a different kingdom than the kingdom of the world. In our Heavenly Father's perspective, He is your source and He is your provider. He's my source and my provider. And, you know, in the Old Covenant, there were several names that God used for Himself to describe His character. Some of us have heard these names like Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals or Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. And um, in Genesis, when God asked Abraham to sacrifice his promised son Isaac, and Abraham was willing in faith to do that, and he set him on the altar, and he raised his hand, you know, with his knife in obedience to do it, and God stopped him and said no. You know, he saw his faith. He provided a ram. Mm -hmm. It said in the caught in the thicket, and that ram became the animal sacrifice for God. Uh, instead, and Abraham at that moment said, declared him, you are Jehovah Jireh. You are the God who sees and provides. You are the God who provides, okay? And all of that was a foreshadowing yes. of what God the Father would do to provide Jesus Christ, his son, as a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice for the forgiveness of the sins of the world. That's whosoever would believe in that sacrifice and what he did for us would not perish but have eternal life. And so now under the new covenant, Jesus himself, he's our provision. Come on. <clears throat> he is our vision. And if God was able, think about it, if God was able to and provided the biggest need of mankind, <laughs> the vastness of mankind for eternal salvation, yeah, come on. if he could do it, and he did do it, and he was able... And he's still able. Is he not able to provide for the littler needs like our daily bread? If he provided for eternal salvation, paid the price, made the way for that provision, is he not able to provide for your and my littler needs? Come on. When we say, give us this day our daily bread. There's a story about George Mueller. Uh, You might have known this gentleman. He... Not personally, because he lived in 1800s. <laughs> but here, it's amazing. This, his story is remarkable. His faith is to be emulated about how he believed God for his daily bread. Uh, he, like I said, he grew up in the 1800s. He, his family was wealthy. He was like a spoiled brat, a privileged kid, a son of a lawyer. You know, and he, he would flaunt himself and be self-centered, and his lifestyle was just wild. It's a worldly lifestyle. But he then met Jesus, and everything about his life changed, completely changed. And he started to meditate on the Word of God. He started to meditate on the Bible, and he determined, and he set his face like flint, that he was just going to trust the Word of God. He's going to trust the Word of God. He's going to just, that's it. He would no longer trust what the world would offer him or his privilege or his status or the wealth of his parents. He just walked away from all of that and he determined he was just going to trust God at his Word. And even when he was a pastor, he took no salary. He took no salary because he just trusted God would move on people's hearts 
to be able to supply the needs of him and his family. Uh, he was an incredible man of prayer, and he always, you know, the number one way to learn how to pray is to pray. That's the school of prayer. Yeah. <laughs> Just begin. <laughs> Just start. Yeah. You know what? Everybody, Pastor Mamie said it, everybody starts somewhere. Well, come and fumble with us because we're still learning how to pray. We got some stuff under our belt, but we're learning how to pray. And so here's, here he is. He's learning how to pray from his heart and not in the formal religious, oh God, we beseech thee, merciful hand. No, he was just saying, this is like it is. This is what I need. And, and he comes to show this picture. This is remarkable. This is the guy. That's him. And this, I don't know if you can read it, but I'm going to, it's his quote. And this is what he says. There was a day when I died. Died to self, my opinions, preferences, tastes, and will. Died to the world, its approval or censure. Died to the approval or blame, even of my brethren and my friends. And since then, I have studied only to show myself approved of God. At age 31, he started an orphanage. He took in 30 kids, 30 girls. And in the 1800s, they either lived on the street or they went to these poor farms. And at those poor farms, they were treated like slaves. It, it's no good at all. And from that very first time he decided he was going to trust God, he, he determined he was never going to ask for money and he was never going to borrow money. And that's why he learned how to pray. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you do learn how to pray. But his heart went out so deep for these girls that his first group was 30 kids. 30 kids. I mean, you think about it clothing them, teaching them, educating the orphans. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you like an orphan. This guy was almost like Jesus there. And he says, I'm, I'm not going to leave these orphans out on the street to die. He said that he learned how to pray. His whole life was a prayer. He said this, I, I pray as I walk about, as I lie down, when I rise up. And this is his faith right here. And the answers are always coming. Mm. Give us this day your daily bread. They tell one story where, I mean, there are several. He had over 100 girls right there. Yeah. One evening at the orphanage, his wife came to him and realized there's no milk. She said, there's no milk, George, for, for the, you know, the hundreds of orphans in the morning. And they had apparently oat meal and milk was their sustenance. He said, there's not gonna be, she said, there's not going to be enough to feed the children in the morning. What are we going to do? And so, again, knowing that these tiny helpless yeah. children are depending on them for their daily bread. He's, it, the story goes that he just rose up from his study. He took his wife's hand, Mary's hand, and he said, just let's pray. And together they just made their humble request before God. And I, I, it, it wasn't written what they prayed, but I can imagine him saying, you know, give us tomorrow our daily bread, Lord, because we need it. <laughs> And it's, it, the story goes, a short time later, his wife hears a knock at the door, goes to the door. Someone hands her this envelope. She takes it to the study. It's like, George, open it up and see what it is. He opens it up, and there was a sum of money in there that was well able to take care of what they needed for the milk. Yeah. And then, and then even later in the evening, two more knocks came to yeah. the door of people just saying, we just want to support your work and what you're doing. And over the years, you know, he, this, his, his, his story is amazing. He, he built, he, he had to buy and build five large buildings, uh, orphanages that were all together in one, like a huge city block, five of them. And it is said that he ended up, before his death, caring for at least 10,000 orphans. Could you imagine? Each child cared for, fed, educated, because he was determined to give them some kind of Christian outlook and education for the sake of their life. All in reliance 
on a faithful God for his provision. He said this, this is a quote by him, be assured that if you walk with him and you look to him and expect help from him, he will never fail you. I thought, man, that is a great quote. Be assured if you walk with him and you look to him and you expect help from him, he will never fail you. What a testimony to just a person living by faith. It's amazing. It's to do God's will in the earth. Right. God will provide when you do his will. Yeah. You know, and, and living by faith is what God is asking each one of us to do. Yeah. Yeah. He says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. He wants you to live by faith. He wants me to live by faith. Now, fast forward to 2021. And, you know, the call to trust God for your daily provision is still the same. Do you know that didn't change? <laughs> it didn't change. You know, we, it's harder, in my opinion, to do this because now we live in such an affluent country. It, it's just go to a grocery store. You, you get somebody from another third world country like Afghanistan you bring him over here to go to a super Walmart, they'll think they died and went to heaven. But how is it now that we can do the same? Because God hasn't changed. The demand for us to live by faith has not changed. It's, it's, this environment is, is, is it's so easy to trust your job. It's so easy to know that where your next meal is coming for us, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I dare say that none of us have really been hungry like we see in third world countries. None of us. None of us. You know, there's too many places where we have backup plan. Backup plan. It's just like the exhortation. Too many of us don't go down the path where it looks like there's a lot of pressure in there to trust God to the end. We bail out on plan B. It's a challenge. And God will challenge you. He wants your faith to grow. He wants you to expand your ability to believe Him. You know, too many people nowadays, they get unemployment and they don't want to work. You know, they get more money in unemployment. The Bible declares if you don't work, you don't eat. That's in the Bible. You don't work, you don't eat. Where was Adam before the fall? Paradise. Paradise. I'm telling you, paradise. But guess what he had in paradise? A job. Tending the garden. Tending the garden. He had a job in paradise. He had a job in paradise. People think that they're going to go to heaven and have nothing to do. You're going to have a job in heaven. Yeah. You, you, you really yeah. are. What we, what we fail to do is put ourselves in a risky situation to trust God all the way to the end. But you know that when you put yourself in the will of God, trouble's coming. Mark it down. Trouble's coming. We read about Paul. He's in the perfect will of God. Well, you read some of the things he went through in Corinthians. It's like, man, that messes up a charismatic, huh? Acts chapter 14, Paul tells the people right there, he says, through many trials and tribulations it takes to enter into the kingdom of God. I don't know where we think that we don't have to do anything. Just, it's not Bible. You know, the Bible toughens you up. It'll put calluses on your faith where you can go further and further and further. I'm just encouraging you, don't quit when you're walking through a difficult time. Don't quit when there's an easy way out. Well, the easy way out could ruin you for five years. 
God wants to bolster your faith. He wants to build you up. He wants you to be a man and woman of God that he's proud of. But you have to put yourself in a place of necessity. Yeah. I mean, it's easy, to, it's easy for us to pray that prayer. Lord, give us this day our daily bread and sound like we do, we want that, we, you know, we mean it. But yet, we, like you're saying, we shut our ears to the will of God when he is prompting us to do something. Let's say we're talking about trusting God with our money. Mm. And because we live in anxiety and fear that we won't have enough, right? That's why it's hard, I think, for Christians to tithe and to give offerings for the work of the kingdom. Like uh, Jason was saying there during the annou- announcements when we were receiving the offering. You know, the church, the kingdom, like, Lord, let your kingdom come, your will be done. Well, God's will is that the kingdom would spread. And the gospel, you know, message is free, but the pipeline to get it to people is not, takes money. And so, you know, George Muller, he knew he was doing God's will and putting himself in a place of necessity. And it was risky. I mean, how risky would that be? You've got, you're in charge of hundreds now of orphans. And will I have food tomorrow? Well, I have food for the next month. But it bolsters your faith. Like you said, it puts you in a place where you must trust God for your provision. And when you put yourself in a place of necessity, this is what we have found along the way, is you're doing the will of God. God provides. It's like that step of faith that he needs to say, show me that you'll trust me. And we want to say, bring it to me and then I'll trust you. God's like, no, take the step of faith. Show me that you'll trust me. We fight with God on it. There's a step. Of, you know, we, we have to take a step, and it feels like I'm going out, like out of the boat onto water. Yes. And then we learn, is God faithful in that moment? That's the only way you learn faith. We could say all the day we want, you know, oh, I have faith, but God's going to say, take the step. And our problem is that right. many have really learned, like you're saying, how to have backup plans. We cushion everything. I, was, I understand this. This is what I did. I always felt like I needed a backup plan, just in case. I didn't want to say that God didn't come through, but you never know, like, just in case I might need this. And so let's, I mean, I remember when he was telling me to quit my job, and I did quit, but then I just went back after like a year or so. It was like, they just asked me to come back a couple times, emergency relief. I was an RN. It was like, I'll just go back a little. I knew what I was, why I was doing it. I was just afraid to let go and say that God could provide. Yeah. You know, there's just this fear and anxiety we have in our mind that, and even if you feel like, oh, I am actually in a place of necessity, I don't have a cushion. Well, then we sometimes even hold on to our money even tighter. It's like, oh, I don't have, I can't really give it now either. And I just remember, you know, back in 1989, we began to read the Word of God and see His will about money, about the view of money. And Jesus talks a lot about money. You know, you brought this up, people think the church is after. Well, look at the Gospels and see how many times... Jesus brings up money. Right. More times than he talked about heaven, more times than he talked about hell. You know, up until that time, we lived just like everybody else in the world. We had both of us working full-time jobs. Our job was basically our source, our sense of security. Mm -hmm. We didn't know any better. But the Holy Spirit began to show us his will in our life of regarding money, and specifically our money. Or what we considered our money. Yeah, what we considered our money. But because the truth is God owns it all. Come on. I mean, that's the truth of the matter. He owns everything. Cattle on a thousand hills. I mean, he is the owner. In fact, when we give our life to him, you know, he, we belong to him. Yes. So if he owns us, he owns everything about us. Amen? Yeah. And you might say, oh, well, wait, hey, just wait a minute. I earned every cent. I worked really hard. You know, this is all mine. (laughs) You can't say it's not my money. Look, it's in my bank account. Well, if you worked really hard, guess who gave you the strength and the ability to do what you did? It's the Lord. Come on. It's all coming from Him. And you might, you know, think, you know, well, it's your money, but you didn't come into the world with any money, and you won't leave the world with any money. I was thinking about this as we were writing this. It was like, remember King Tut, the Egyptian boy king? when they discovered his tomb in 1922. But, I mean, they discovered like 5,000 pieces of priceless treasure in his tomb. 
everything, like golden chariots. I mean, it was kind of animal statues, jewelry, weapons, trumpets, even toys were in there. And I thought, but there, he, 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 store, he took it all with him in hopes that he would need it and use it in the afterlife. But I thought, well, there it was in 1922, still all nicely preserved 3,000 years later yeah. in that tomb. And now it belongs to the Egyptian government to do with what they, you know, want to do with it. You know, and I guess the most tragic part is really where he's spending yeah. his afterlife, thinking yeah. that he could take something with him and, you know... And the truth about money and possessions really is that God owns it all. Yes. And that I can't take it with me anyways. And I'm a steward. I'm meant to be a steward of what I have in the earth. That's really what God begins to tell us about money. You know, that the Holy Spirit was showing us back in 1989, give me, look to me for for your provision. Quit looking at your job and, you know, your bank account. Look to me. You're my child. You're a citizen in my kingdom, remember? And I have vast resources in my kingdom, my ways are not your ways. We've looked at that scripture. You yeah. know, that you need to just fall, trust and follow me to be your provider. And so our, what God is looking for, we pray this, our Father who art in heaven, that he is our Father, mm-hmm. and that he, is, he wants our full trust in him to be a provider for us. It's a matter of where you put the security and trust for your life, because, you know, when you work and you get a paycheck, it like becomes your life security, don't you? I mean, people jump out of windows yeah, thinking they've money. lost, you know, their bank accounts when the stock market falls. So it's like, my life is over. No, it's never over because of money. Right. And so when we, he does not want us ultimately looking to our bank account and our job and, and, and all of that. And that's what he was saying. You're either going to look to that and it's going to be your life source and it's going to always hinder you and you're going to have anxiety. Or you're going to look to me and, and start to release yourself into yeah my ability to provide for you and keep you safe. You cannot serve, like Jesus says in the Gospels, you cannot serve God and money. Jesus says this because he knows how much our hearts are tied to this security with money. Look at what it says in Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. Mm -hmm. You cannot serve God and wealth or mammon. Because they actually put a word in there that was a, a deity right. that people worship, the god of mammon, that they would bow down to in worship, in fear of not having enough. And God's like, you're either going to bow down to this god of mammon and say, I'm just so afraid, you know, God can't provide, or you're going to bow down to me and say, Come on. you're my provider, Lord. I want to trust you with everything, with my money, with my life. Everything. You know, at that time in 1989, we... Yeah, we made a decision. Wholeheartedly. We were to gonna... do it. And I, you know, I desperately at the time wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. Yep. I was working full-time as a nurse. And in the natural, it was like, this is crazy. Release yourself of one full income. But, and you know, we... uh, an income that was less. I mean, if, any, if no, anybody, it... when they're thinking about it, is like, no, you keep yours and I'll stay at home. Because yeah. she was making more money. But... <laughs> This is the steps he had us take. And there's many steps he had us take, really. And it wasn't clear at that point that we were going into ministry or he had a call of God on our lives. It wasn't that clear. But what God was doing, he knew. He, he, you know, he knows the beginning from the end. And so what is he doing? He's preparing our hearts. Yeah. He's preparing our hearts to trust him for something a little bigger, a little bigger. Make it look like you don't have and then I'll trust me for a little bigger. Uh, there's one time when we were at Bible college, I showed Ben, he, seventh grade, I think he was, here's what we have, and I showed him our check account. $5 is what we had. $5. But here's the other part of that. We, never, we were never late on one bill. Never. You know, when we began to tithe and follow God with our finances, I mean, isn't God funny, you know, you reduce yourself to one income, and then you learn about tithing. It was like, ah. <laughs> Why do you show me this now? Like, like please, Lord. Like, but, you know, all we, I can say is we didn't fall behind on one bill right. ever. 
from the beginning of that tithing, quitting, you know, resigning from a job and then going to Bible school and all the things that it was like, we don't know how we're going to exactly pay for this, but you're leading us. See, this is part of it. If you put yourself in the will of God, then you almost feel like, well, you're my father. You're calling me. You will provide for me. So if you, if you're in the will of God, it should bolster your confidence. God will provide. Yes. And we, we knew we were partnering with him. I mean, he gave us faith at one point to believe, to pay off the mortgage of our house. This was right. just along the way. You know, you're taking steps and you're tithing. And there was a need on a mission field for our missionaries to build a house. They didn't have a house to live in. And the, the opportunity was, let's give, you know, to help them build a house. And we thought, we this had a mortgage a- payment at the time and we took, equal to what that mortgage payment was and sowed seed for the sake of them building a house. Because, and we thought, and that actually was a word that was coming from the pulpit saying that if you help build someone else's house, God will help build and pay for your house. Like, let's help them pay for their house. And we took it in faith. We, we did sure it. We sure did. We did it. So it wasn't just tithing then that we did. We did over and above with the, pay, above the mortgage. But I can tell you what happened. You know, about a year and a half later, we stood in our backyard and we had a paper and lit the, lit the lighter and burned the mortgage. God provided. Yes. We don't have time to just go into how he did that. But all we can say is Jehovah Jireh, that yes. God sees and he does provide. If you Come will on. take steps to walk in his will, he will see that you, are, that you are, have the provision you need. Mark 6.25, we're going to have to This is really close great scripture. Here. For this reason, I say to you, this is Jesus talking. Don't be worried about your life as to what you will eat and what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. Mm. They don't sow, nor do they reap or gather into barns, and what? Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. They're not like scratching around in the dirt. Well, we find a worm today. Are you not worth much more than they? Come on, here we go. And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? I mean, worrying, especially about our finances, is going to affect you physically. It'll affect you. They know this. I mean, 70% or more of the reasons going to a doctor, they say, for doctor visits are related to stress. Yeah. Physical, emotional, it'll affect your spiritual health. It'll affect your mood. Because if you're just worried in the back of your mind about money and how are we going to meet this, you know how that can be. You start talking to your spouse or your friend and like all of a sudden it's like, whoa, like what's bothering you? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's one thing to be concerned about something. We do need to be concerned and make appropriate plans, but worry is a different thing. The definition of worry is a verb, and it's really interesting, the definition, because it means to tear or to bite or to snap at the throat or to gnaw at something and shake, like a dog would take a bone and just shake it or gnaw at it. That's, the, that's what I mean, worry is. That's what worry is. So you think about it. It sucks the life out of you. It chokes the life out of you. It's like tearing at your very life source. Mm-hmm. And when you think about it that way, it's a sin, to, yes. let our, to let the devil dominate our thought life that way yes. in our heart. Because it's a thought pattern that's just saying, I'm anticipating bad, I'm anticipating bad, instead of looking at God and going, oh, I'm your child, I'm part of your kingdom, your promise is to provide for me. So everything looks brighter when we go in that direction, right? So worry is a thought pattern, anticipating bad, but faith is a thought pattern that says, my God will provide. He's Jehovah Jireh. Answers on the way. Yeah. Answers so we'll close with way. this scripture, Matthew 6.33. 6.33. Should be underlined in your Bibles. This is a, this is a key for everything, guys. But seek first the, his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Things. The things that we worry about. Uh Material things, food, clothing, bills. He's saying, if you put me first, if you put my kingdom first, if you honor me for who I am, he's God, he's well able to provide for us. He says, all these things then will be added to you. And so we just want to, we just want to bow our heads and, and pray here for a moment because I know that we've touched on some things that every single one of us struggle with. We all struggle with 
resisting anxiety, resisting worry about the things of this life, about our health, about our finances, all of our needs. But I just remind ourselves, Lord, we're going to pray your will. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry or have any anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance by prayer and thanksgiving. Yes. Make your request known to God. And so we come before you, Father. We come before you according to your will. And we do say, give us today our daily bread, Lord. Many people, many needs in here. All different kinds of things. But you are Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh. You're the God who sees and you're the God who provides. And so we release our worry to you, Lord. We cast our care upon you. Mm-hmm. We say we will not have anxiety. We resist it and worry about anything. We put our, our mind on you. We put our face face to face with you, Father. We look at you right now. And just like this song, you are so, so good. You are so able. You are the God of the universe. You're the creator of all things. And I am in your family. You welcome you welcome us, Lord, as your children to come to you. That peace, you said, the promises. You said, Father, that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will garrison and mount guard over our mind and our heart. So, Father God, as we leave this place today, we make a determination, Lord, that when we catch, we'll catch ourselves, help us, Holy Spirit. Yes. You are our leader and guide on the inside. We acknowledge you. We need your help. That when we find ourselves, oh, I'm going down this pattern of thinking of worry and anxiety, we stop. We say, nope, that is not my life. That's not who I belong to. I will not bow down to the God of mammon. I will not bow down in fear. I'll bow down to my Father. He will provide for me. He will look after me. He's a good, good Father. And we trust you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for making a way in our lives when there seems to be no way. We worship you, Lord. And I thank you for giving people the courage to take the step of faith that you're asking them. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you about your money? Just take the step of faith and obey in those little things. And then let God just make those crooked places straight. Worship you. Thank you, Father.